Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, September September the 6th. Well, that that's not off to a great start. I uh, no, no. We just we need to start completely over. That that that's always a bad sign. Is it a bad sign when I when I say something is a bad sign? Is there really a bad sign? Like what does that even mean? Okay. All right. Yes, I'm calling everything into question. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, everyone. It is Tuesday, September the 6th. 2022. It is currently 10:48 a.m. Central Time. And I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, if my intro got off to a rough start, that's a good indicator of what's about to happen through the rest of this broadcast because it's going to be a bumpy It's going to be a bumpy journey. It's going to be a bumpy road we're about to travel. It's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult because I'm going to talk about things that always gets me into so much trouble. Uh, Look, I, I hate that whenever I turn on the microphone and I talk, I find myself in so much conflict with uh, a a majority of Christianity. I, I really wish it wasn't the case. I wish that I could live out my Christian life, talk about scripture and talk about theology and find that I was in agreement with most Christians and that they were in agreement with me and that we could get along. And it's really bizarre because I I believe theologically, doctrinally, I'm holding to something very consistent with historical biblical Christianity. I'm someone who constantly talks about the ancient creeds of the church. I talk about the, the, the great confessions of faith. I talk about church history. So I'm very much, I believe in, in one aspect, very much right there, consistent with historical biblical Christianity. But for some weird reason, no matter how consistent I am with historical biblical Christianity, I find myself constantly in conflict with the Christians of the now. I don't know about if if I would have had a rough journey to travel. I don't know how rough and and confusing and and how much disagreement I would have been in with the Christians of the past, but with the Christians in the present, no matter which year I live, I find myself constantly like, no, 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 what, what, what? I, I don't, I don't fit in here. And it... I don't like to be, you know, hey, I'm the Christian podcast for the Christians who don't fit in to Christianity. I don't want to become that that broadcaster. Hey, if you don't fit into Christianity, you feel like an outsider. You feel like you don't belong. You're confused and baffled by the Christianity you see around you. Well, welcome home to a group of people where none of us fit in. We are the outcast. We are the outsiders. That's that's what we, I don't want this podcast just to be for the outcast and the outsiders. And I don't want to just say, hey, those of you who fit in, stop fitting in. Come over here and join the outcast. Join the outsiders. Nobody likes us. I, I, I don't want to do that either. But at the same time, the one thing that I am committed to is I am committed to turning on the microphone and not following the template I definitely want to turn on the microphone and go, wait, this is how Christians are thinking about this subject today. I think there's, I think there's room for someone to offer a, a different way of thinking, right? I mean, shouldn't there be? I mean, isn't there room within the Christian world for that? I, I, I guess, I guess in theory there is, but it, I, maybe, maybe put it this way. 
there is room for that in Christian podcasting, right? Because in Christian podcasting, I just turn on the microphone and talk, and whoever wants to listen will listen. Whoever doesn't want, doesn't will not listen. I may get some angry emails, but for the most part, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty. Just I just talk, and people decide if they want to listen, if they agree or disagree, and they move on with their lives. But it's far different when you're inside the church, when you're either a member of a church or a pastor of a church. That's where the disagreements become. Well, you almost then feel like an outcast or you basically become an outcast because your view and your thinking is not accepted within a good portion of the church. And that's where I find myself. And to explain exactly where we're going, let me try. I could I could go through a list of my struggles and a list of my disagreements with Christianity. But there is one that has become a Somewhat of a common theme recently on this podcast, especially if you go back to our long study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I've said this so many times, and, and for some of you, this will make sense. Some of this will not, but it, it is connected to, to the teaching on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit that we worked on. I see that there are different kinds of Christianity. I, I think that I'm going to call this three kinds of Christianity, three types of Christianity, all right? And maybe that maybe I knew it need a new way of describing it, but this is the way I look at it. when I look at Christianity, I'm like, okay, here's here's the three kinds of Christianity. We have the kind of Christianity we promote, the kind of Christianity we sell. Oh, we promote it, we sell it. And 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 Christians everywhere will fall into this kind of this kind of Christianity. And this Christianity only exists in the advertisements. It, it only exists in the promotional material. It only exists in our minds. It doesn't actually exist. And this Christianity goes something like this. When you become a Christian, you become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Now, I don't mean that in our positional standing, but in our practical standing. Like basic, and and if you just think about those words, if those words are true practically, well, then there shouldn't be any cr- sin within the Christian church, Right? You're a new creature. Old is gone. Everything is new. Well, that one thing that would be gone that's old would be the old nature, right? So we sell it this way. Hey, when you become a Christian. So that seems to indicate that you're basically going to stop sinning. Now, some weird reason Christians will say that and then say, but you're you're going to keep sinning. But why would I keep sinning if everything is new and the old is gone, which would mean I'm no longer have an old nature. So can you, okay, well, we could get into that. But we say those words, and when you come to Christ, now you have the power over sin. You have the power to obey God. And if you become a Christian, you follow Christ. You're going to have a better marriage. You're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better employer and employee. And then we just sell it like that. Like, you know, you, you become a Christian. Everything is going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be great. And call now and you'll get even more. And oh yes, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And the, and the Spirit of God is going to lead you into all truth. So you're going to understand the scriptures. You're going to understand doctrine. And the Holy Spirit's going to give you power over sin, and the Holy Spirit's going to guide you, and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you, and and we we sell it, and 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 we sell it. That's the Christianity of the advertisement. That's the Christianity of the commercial. Then, so that so is there, that that Christianity doesn't actually exist. It's just how we sell Christianity. Then we have the Christianity we pretend 
to have, right? Now, the Christianity we pretend to have, the reason we're pretending is we got to try to make it as close to the commercial as possible. So Christians have to pretend, hey, that I am a new creature. So everyone's got to pretend and put on a robe of self-righteousness and we've got to look more righteous and talk more righteous. And we got to, we got to come across with so much spiritual piety and, and, and that, and that we, we, we come across everything we say has to sound so spiritual because we got to pretend that we got what was advertised. And this, this Christianity is a lot of just self, self-deceit. We try to convince ourselves and we, we dress up, we have, we put on the right clothes, we smile, we got our hair nice and fixed and everything looks wonderful. It looks great. Make sure we shave correctly and everything, everything looks good. We dress it up. This is the Christianity of the fig leaves. This is the Christianity of the robe of self-righteousness. This is the Christianity of the cup being clean on the outside. This is the Christianity of the whitewashed tombs. This is the, and this Christianity is in every church. And so we can't really be real. We can't really be honest. And we can't really be truthful about the sin in our minds and our hearts. We can't be uh, really honest about the sin that's occurring in private that nobody knows. And, and we do a lot of excusing away the sin that is present and that is seen by making it less than it, than it really is. This is the Christianity ever pretends to have. There's very little reality. I've said so many times that, that Christianity is more about playing dress up. Christianity is more of a performance than it is a reality. And I, and I know when I say that Christians get, I, again, I told you it's going to be rough. I told you just as like, just like my introduction was all rough and I told you it was going to be a bumpy road. It was going to be a rough road that we were going to journey on, but I just have to be brutally honest here. And, and, and I'm saying this not as someone standing on the outside being judgmental. I'm standing someone who's been a part of all of this. I've sold that kind of Christianity. I've sold it. I've taught it. I've preached it, right? I, 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 I've, I did that over and 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 over again. There, there's no way to get around that. Hey, and if you're truly a Christian, you'll do this and you'll do this. And if you don't do this, you're not really a Christian. Oh, I preached it and preached it and preached it and preached it. Right. And I, and I definitely spent plenty of my Christian life doing the pretending, dressing it all up, making it sound all good and denying the reality that was really inside of me. And everyone else was playing pretend. And guess what I kept finding over and over and over? And guess what 2,000 years of church history has taught me? No matter how much we dress it up, no matter how much we play pretend, guess what is going on inside the lives of Christians all around you? There is bitterness and resentment and gossip and slander and betrayal and stabbing people in the back and sexual sin and sexual addiction and pornography and adultery and affairs and, and bitterness and hatred and, and division and just go on and unforgiveness and, and just, I mean, it's all right there. Oh, we dress it up. We make it sound so good when we sit around our small groups, you know, holding hands, singing Kumbaya and having a Coke and a smile. So there's the Christianity we advertise and there's Christianity we pretend to have. And so much of Christianity, I think, is nothing more than a performance. It's like, okay, everybody ready? Okay, action. Act like Christians. Make it look good. It's, It's like sometimes when I see the church websites. And, you, and, and they have the pictures of people. Most of those cases, those not, I can't say in every case, but in many of those cases, those images are not from the actual church. 
Those are stock photos taken from templates, website templates. And I show, you know, it'll show like three or four people looking around a Bible with this big smile on their face and everybody's got their Bible and everybody's like desiring God. Man, they don't show the person dozing off, nobody looking at their Bible. Come on. We, we dress it all up. There's the Christianity we advertise and there's the Christianity we pretend. And then way over here to the other side, there's the Christianity we all experience. Like, like we truly experience. Oh, now we've, now the problem is it's hard to distinguish the Christianity we experience with the one we pretend because we so pretend that sometimes we can't see what we're really experiencing. But sooner or later, you realize it. You're like, man. I still sin. I still struggle. I got this problem. I got this problem. I don't really love the things of God the way I think I'm supposed to love the God. I don't really desire scripture. I don't do that. I don't really want to go to church and I didn't really like church and da, 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 da. And I, and I'm very, and I'm argumentative and I don't, and I'm not really willing to submit. And I think I'm always right. And I tell everyone else they're wrong and I condemn everyone and I judge everyone. And then I, and then I, I justify my own self. Okay. All right. Sometimes the, the, the reality just is so overwhelming, but it's there. There's the reality. And to me, so much of what we pretend versus what we actually experience, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Now you say, well, what does any of this have to do with the Holy Spirit, which you mentioned at the beginning? Well, one of my major issues with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in the church is, once again, we have what we pretend and we, we have what we experience. Listen to Christians talk about the Holy Spirit. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the third person of the Trinity. You have the power of Almighty God residing inside of you, and he will empower you. He will give you strength. He will help you overcome sin. Okay, now you just think about that for five seconds. If I've got the power of the Almighty, eternal God living in me, empowering me, then sinless Christians should be the norm. That I mean, that just should be, it should be the reality, man. We've got the power of God helping me overcome sin. It should be like not just sinning less. It should be sinless because God's power is, well, all powerful. Omnipotent is how we would say it, right? I mean, that, that should just be like every Christian has to deal with that. That We say one thing about how much power we have, and then our lives completely contradict that that power is even anywhere within a million miles of us. We claim to have a power that we never actually demonstrate because what we demonstrate is so many flawed things that go against God. So we either have to minimize the sin and claim that it's not sin so that we can then try to demonstrate that we have all of this power. But I've seen all of the claims of power. And then you watch Christian lives implode in on itself, especially if people find out what's going on behind the scenes. Now, sometimes people are good at keeping, man, they've got those fig leaves on. I mean, they've got those things. They got the fig leaves on and they got that thing chained. They, 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 they get surgery to have those, uh, the fig leaves surgically implanted in their body so they can never be taken off or fall off. But sooner or later, sometimes the fig leaves fall off and then we're like, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, because, well, that, that's what's going on. But, but just go back to the Holy Spirit. Power. We claim that the Holy Spirit's leading us into all truth, but we can't explain if the Holy Spirit's leading us into all truth, then why is Christianity so divided and we can't agree on anything? 
the Holy Spirit speaking to people, right? And he's speaking. Well, if he's speaking to us, then we would all, you would think, I don't know, know the same things about doctrine and theology. All these claims about what the Spirit is doing. All of these claims that if you become a Christian, you will stop doing this and you will do this and you will stop and stop, stop, stop. But the reality is so much of it is it goes against the claims that we make. And when you point out the disconnect, Christians get upset and they get bothered and they get defensive. They get defensive. Well, okay, well, go play. Go. You, you can go find a place that will play. You can go find the place that pretends. You can either deal with, you can live in a Christianity of pretend, or you can live in a Christianity that deals with reality. I like a Christianity that tries to be more real with the problems that we clearly perceive. Christianity is divided. Christianity is filled with sinners. Well, then explain to it to me that we have the power that supposedly is overcoming all of that. We claim it, and then we never live it. Now, I, I, could, I could spend more time articulating my philosophy on all of this and my perspective on all of this. I know Christians are getting mad at me right now and emailing me. But, I'm not, but again, I'm not denying any of the core key teachings of Christianity. I am, what I am trying to do is that we take some of these teachings, we draw these conclusions that are complete contradiction to the reality that you know exists. I don't care how much you try to pretend otherwise. And you can, you can yell and scream at me all day. Typically, when you start yelling and screaming at me, you clearly demonstrate your own still sinfulness is still there. And you demonstrate with your own actions and attitudes that the problem that I'm saying is there, you're, you're actually demonstrating by trying to argue with, against me with. But that's, that's, that's what we have to face. Well, the, why am I bringing this up this morning? Because of this reason. I want you to write down two Two phrases. This is not the reason why I'm bringing it up. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the reason. Just stay with me. Write down the phrase spirit-controlled. Oh, let's expand the phrase. A spirit-controlled life. Yeah, let's expand the phrase. A spirit-controlled life. Walk by the spirit Live by the Spirit and dwelt by the Spirit, following the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit. The Spirit of God, in a sense, it's a Spirit-controlled life. There's been thousands of sermons preached about it. The Spirit-controlled life, the Spirit-led life. You're filled by the Spirit. You're abiding in the Spirit. All of the, You know all of the phraseology and all of the, 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 the cliches that are used to describe this. But the Spirit-controlled life versus, right? So the first phrase, a spirit-controlled life. The second phrase, a self-controlled life. Now, those two phrases, I, I am spending a lot of time this morning thinking about. A spirit-controlled 
life. And the reason I started thinking about this is I picked up Stand Firm, God's Challenge for Today's Man, Fall 2022. This is a devotional. There's one for women as well uh, that's put out by Lifeway. I told uh, I told a lot of people about it, but I ordered it, been waiting for September to get here. So this morning I picked up today, Tuesday, September the 6th, and guess what I find on page 11 on Stand Firm, a God's Challenge for Today's Man. All right, here we go, right? Because you know, I'm always... Always, I got devotionals and Bible study guides all over the place. I'm always, I love them, but we won't get back to my whole philosophy there. But this is what I see. Exercise self-control. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I, it, it, this drives some people crazy about me. Some people may like this about me, but I can take anything. I can take a phrase. I can take one, you know, one part of a lyric. I, it doesn't matter. And every little thing I can analyze and analyze and analyze all day. So as soon as I saw exercise self-control, this is the question that hit me. And, th- and I, and in some ways I should have started this podcast with, if I, if I did the podcasting the way I'm supposed to, I would have led with this question as my tease to keep you listening to the end. But I don't always follow those templates. I know about how to do a tease at the beginning of a podcast episode to keep people to the end. And you give the tease and then you return to the tease at the end. I, I understand all of the tricks, but sometimes I'm not interested in playing the reindeer game. So today, I didn't play the reindeer games, right? I kind of went with that other illustration about my rough start in my intro to try to give the idea that this is going to be a rough discussion and a bumpy road, that kind of concept. So I, I think that that works as well, but okay. All right. In other words, I'm aware of all of the flaws I make as a podcaster. I'm aware of it. All right, but here we go. The Christian life. Is the Christian life a spirit-controlled life? Or is the Christian life a self-controlled life? Now, I would, I I would, (laughs) uh, this is, I always tell people to do this. Nobody ever, no, no one ever contacts me and say they did, but I'm always like, ask your Sunday school class. I know I have Sunday school teachers who teach and they never, 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 never contact me back and go, well, remember that question I asked my Sunday school class? And here's the answer. I always tell people, when you go to church, ask people in your church this question. I never get the phone call or the email. Hey, okay, I asked 15 people in the church. This was the answer. I don't know why people are unwilling to participate in my reindeer games, but I really wish they would because I'm always, because I perceive how I think people in a church will answer. I, I will, I, I, I'll give you an example way back and this a long time ago because I was doing podcasting before there was podcasting. I had my, uh, I had an assistant, uh, assistant, someone who helped me with some of my episodes, right? My correspondent reporter, Right. And she uh, lived in New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so she went to a Joel Olstein event, right? Not because she liked Joel Olstein, but because I said, hey, it's Friday night. Joel Olstein's in Albuquerque. You've got to go. We've got to do some podcast episodes, right? So she went, right? She was a, a college student. She was super helpful to me. I'm, I'm, I'm still grateful to this day, all the things she did for me. But she went to the Joel Olstein event. And I said, one of the questions to ask the people are, 
do uh, do we become sinners by sinning or do we sin because we are sinners? Now, this is people going to hear Joel Olstein. I was prepared that they had would, would have no concept truly of original sin, of depravity, but I was utterly shocked. How many got the question right? No, 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 no. We sin because we're sinners. We don't become sin by sin. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. You're listening to Joel Olstein. And you, you think he's a mo, because I, one of the questions is like, so you're, you're here to see Joel Osteen. What do you think about his preaching? Oh, he's wonderful. He's great. A man of God. And, and then you asked, are you asking theological questions? I thought the, the theological answers were going to be a train wreck, but they were in many cases much better than I thought. And I was like, how is that? In other words, it completely blew up my, my perception of the way I think things were going to be. So that's why I'm always asking, ask people in your church. Ask people in your Sunday school class because you you have access to people that I don't. Like I don't, I'm not around all of, I got the people in my church, right? But that's it. But if I get, if I get people asking, I, I'm, I, I've said it so many times, I am more interested, and, and I truly mean this, I don't really care what preachers think sometimes. I care what the people in the pew think because I think there's a disconnect sometimes between the pew and the pulpit. So I like to really go, what are the people in the pew really thinking? What drives me crazy is sometimes you can't get real answers from Christians. You get the, I don't want your church answer. Tell me what's really going on. Okay, but I would really like people to, to answer this. Do you think the Christian life is a spirit-controlled life or a self-controlled life? And if it's nothing more than a self-controlled life, then how different are we really than those who are not saved? Now, I I don't even want to, I'm just going to leave Christianity out of this. I'm going to look at self-control purely from a human perspective. Forget Christianity. I have seen people who are not saved, that don't have the spirit of God, accomplish some pretty amazing things by just exercising self-control, physical fitness goals, way beyond mine, academic goals, way beyond mine, relationship goals, marriage, I mean, parenting. And a lot of it's just because of self-discipline, self-control with a, a desire to control themselves and exercise that discipline better themselves. And they, in many cases, look far more sick. From a human perspective, from a fleshly perspective, seem to be more accomplished more, done more. And and I've seen great things happen just through the exercise of self-control uh, when it comes to so many things. We've seen people accomplish great things through just self-control. We've also seen people, because of a lack of self-control, utterly destroy themselves. And I'm not even talking inside the church. So outside the church, we see people who exercise great self-control, and they have, in many cases, they avoid the, the pitfalls and the destructions that can come into people's lives. They avoid the addictions or the or the betrayal or, or whatever, and they just live out a life, and you're like, wow, they are successful. There's something, but it's all done through mere human self-control. So we can't deny that there is an aspect of self-control that is very that can be evident even in the life of the most unregenerate person. It, it, you you have to acknowledge that. So self-control can do a lot. They don't have spirit control. 
But as Christians, we talk about something different than self-control, right? See, the, the people in the world, they, we, we, they don't have the spirit of God. They don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. But as Christians, see, we've got something supposedly more powerful than self-control. We've got the power of God. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've been freed from this. And we've been set free from this. And we've been set free from... And, and we talk about all this. But then sometimes you look at the lives of believers and you're like, total train wrecks. Can't even, can't even get them to read the Bible on a regular, consistent basis. I mean, they got the power of God, but they have less discipline when it comes to the, not the academic pursuit, but the absolute privilege of reading and studying and memorizing scripture. So sometimes you take what Christians are doing when it comes to the word of God and their lack of involvement, care, passion, zeal, study, discipline. And you look at what some lost person is doing and it comes in like, man, they study this. They taught them th themselves this language. They learn this. They memorize this. They've done this. They've, they've, they've got advanced degrees. And you're like, well, look, their self-control clearly is far greater than a Christian's supposed spirit control when it comes to the study of God's word. I mean, that's just, I mean, look, nobody can argue with me. That's just a fact. I mean, how many statistics do I need to pull up that where Christians don't read their Bible, they don't study their Bible, they don't memorize their Bible, they do, and you give them all the Bible study methods and they don't care. I mean, that's just a fact. But then you got those in the world using simply self-control and they're memorizing, reading, studying, and you're like, whoa, wh wh why are they pursuing that in a far greater way than Christians are pursuing what I'm having, what I have right here. This has to be, I mean, this can't be denied. So we have the self-controlled versus the spirit-controlled. I'm just saying that sometimes the spirit-controlled life that Christians talk about doesn't seem to be in any measurable way something far greater than those who are just exercising good old-fashioned self-control. Christians who supposedly are spirit-controlled, they have better marriages, better relationships. Divorce happens all the time in the church. Marriages implode. Infidelity. Sin. How many Christian men struggle with pornography? Nobody's ever going to know the true number because Christian men can't say so because if they find out, that'll be the end of them. So is the Christian life a spirit-controlled life? And if it is a spirit-controlled life, why isn't the spirit-controlled life it demonstrably superior and that we have more power, more ability than those who are just exercising self-control? See, we use language that we don't think it through. Now, I find it interesting that Paul in 1 Corinthians writes to a church that's completely messed up. I mean, come on. Go through 1 Corinthians and just find out everything this church is doing. Now, he continues to refer to them as Christians. He refers to them as babes in Christ. He says that they're carnal, that they're fleshly, they're divided, they're fighting, they're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, and literally getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. You got sexual sin in the church nobody will do anything about. They're fighting over uh, spiritual leaders. They're using the spiritual gifts for their own 
their own advancement and their own glory and their own purpose. I mean, the church is a complete train, right? First Corinthians is a church in total disarray. It is a, it's, nobody would want to go to that church. I'm going to find a better church. I'm going to find a more godly church. First Corinthians is a very real church where their problems are clearly being exposed by the spirit of God. Now, what's interesting that if you go through this letter, the letter of 1 Corinthians, you will come across, well, the text that's in this devotional. Now remember, self-control or spirit-controlled. The text that they want me to read for the devotional today is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Well, that's, that, that's just a factual thing. Hey, guys, don't you realize that those who run in a race, only one wins? Only one. Not everybody wins. And it's not everyone's like, hey, but I, I tried hard. No, only one wins. So run to win. I can understand that language. Verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. I'll read it from a different translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Read it from a different translation. So you can get the idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 25. Now everyone who competes exerciseth self-control in everything. Those who compete, those who want to win, they will exercise. Please note, self, in fact, I'm going to read the exact words again. They exercise, please note, self-control in everything. Hey, only one's going to win, and those who compete, they exercise self-control in everything in order so that they can attempt to win. Now, look what it says. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So, both do it for a crown. Both do it to achieve something. Both do it to win a prize. They do something for something that is corruptible. We do something for incorruptible, but he's already set up the concept. We should try for the incorruptible in a way that we actually want to win it, but we have to realize that it's going to require the exercise of self-control. He doesn't say spirit-controlled. I think that's fascinating. Therefore, I therefore, so then he, he, he gives the kind of the, the illustration, then he returns it to him. Paul's like, I, me, run, I run. As I so run, not as uncertainty, so uh, and so fight as not one that beateth the air. Okay, I don't run, and I don't, in a sense, fight in a way that's so uncertain and confused. No, 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 no. I have a, I, I'm focused. I know what I'm supposed to do. And look at this. Look what he says. But I keep my body and bring it into subjection. A different translation. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. 
How much of the Christian of the Christian life is simply self-discipline, self-control? Or how much of the Christian life is spirit-controlled? Controlled by the power of the spirit. I just find it interesting in a church that's completely a train wreck of epic proportions. Paul talks about running the race using bringing uh, we're using two two concepts, self-control and self-discipline. They're very similar, but th- these two phrases, self-control and self-discipline. Do Christians exercise the same self-control and self-discipline that athletes and that people who either achieve things great in athletics, business, or in academia do, do, we, do we demonstrate anything close to that just in our daily, everyday life? Look, you can't get Christians exercise enough self-control to even bother to show up to church. You can't get Christians to sh- uh, exercise enough self-control to do anything like handle the word of God, study it, memorize it, read it. You, it's hard enough to get Christians to participate in doing anything. So which is it? Is the Christianity a spirit-controlled life or a self-controlled life? Now, I know this. Whether spirit-controlled or whether self-controlled, I do know this. The Christian life is one of failure because you're going to fall short over and over and over and over and over and over and over. That's why we have to be saved by grace alone through faith alone because of, of an imputed righteousness alone because everything else is going to fall short. apologize. I, I always pick up the pencil when I start talking and then I'm like, realize, okay, I'm just going to set the pencil down. It would be best just to keep holding the pencil, but you know, I, it's an audio podcast. And so I don't think about like, if I'm at the, if I'm, it's funny when you're at the pulpit, you just throw something on the pulpit, whatever. And I don't worry about the sound, but when you're sitting here in an empty room in front of a microphone and a podcast, you're like, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta stop touching and, and, and messing with stuff. But I do that all the time. I apologize. I apologize. But there we go. I didn't exercise self-control. See what I did there? I turned it into an illustration. My, my self-control goes out the window when I start talking. I want a pencil in my hand, right? It's my, it's my like go-to tool. I have a pencil in my hand when I start thinking because typically when I'm thinking out loud, I start writing. So, but okay, put the pencil down. But I really want you to consider this concept today, self-controlled or spirit-controlled. And if we're truly spirit-controlled, I mean, again, You can advertise it. When you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit and you're controlled by the Spirit of God. And we we can and you can pretend. But I just want to know what is the reality of a spirit-controlled life? Because all I've seen in 2,000 years of church history in my own life is sin, sin, sin. So clearly it's not sinless perfection. Clearly, it doesn't make us that much better than the world because of the look at 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, they had someone sleeping in the church, sleeping with their father's wife. And they were like, this doesn't even happen outside of the church. This, there's things going on in this church that people outside of the church aren't even doing. I mean, look at the great men of God in the Bible. You've got murder. You've got rape. You've got all kinds of horrible things going on. Self-controlled or spirit-controlled? Now, I'm just going to read from some of the, I haven't read this yet, but since this was kind of going to be my morning devotional time, you just get to participate. Let's see what they have to say here. Again, from the Stand Firm, from Lifeway. 
their Bible, their devotional guide for men. Right? And this is what they want me to, this morning, they want me to just write down this idea. Exercise self-control. Here's what they say. They quote, not everyone who competes exercises now, not every, it's not, not now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. First Corinthians 9, 25. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. Exercise self-control. That's what they, that's the title. Exercise self-control, which seems to me that they're focusing on the fact that the Christian life is that which is, well, one of self-control. They do something really bizarre at the end that will, well, and, oh, I can't believe we're already at 40 minutes. That's okay. That's okay. Here we go. I'm just going to read this. My wife recently gave me an incredible gift. It was a virtual reality headset. I was completely surprised by this gift. It costs more than I figured she would want to spend after I just put it out there as I hear something I think I would enjoy gift idea. I'll confess, I had been enticed by ads on social media. Of particular interest was an ad for a virtual reality workout program with incredible graphics and really good music. It looked interesting, especially since I have been making uh, lots of excuses about not going to the gym in person. Since I received the VR headset, I've spent most of my time exercising with boxing workout. Boxing, that's right. Virtually lacing up the gloves and boxing. I've seen people do some boxing routines at the gym, but I didn't want people watching me or critiquing me. But I can now box the air like nobody's business. In my mind, I think I must look like Apollo Creed. Okay, well, he did lose the second fight, and then he died at the hands of a Russian, so I don't know if that's who you really want to choose. I, I, I think people think I look like Apollo Creed before or after his death. Okay, I just say that. <laughs> okay. I, I could I could tell you a funny story when I was in martial arts and somebody wanted to come in and said, I want to be like Bruce Lee and what my martial arts instructor did. He was from, was he from North Korea? He may have been from South Korea, um, but he was in the military and uh, he, he, he came, he was very, you could say from a, from an, from an American perspective, he was very rude and blunt, but what he did uh, when that person said they wanted to be like Bruce Lee, which they were taking a completely different martial art, but that's okay. So, uh, but I won't go there. All right. So here we go. My wife, however, just said I looked cute while boxing. I'm not sure that was the image I was going for. In this passage, Paul wrote about someone boxing, like one beating the air. Did Paul know about the future of VR boxing? No. What he was saying was that boxers will sometimes take a swing, miss the target, and hit nothing but air. The Greek word can mean to flay or thrash about. That's wasted energy. And that's the last thing you want when you're boxing. You want to be disciplined. Paul focused his energy, all his words, actions, and even thoughts on Christ. He disciplined his body so he could exercise self-control in everything. It was focused and purposeful. The last thing Paul wanted was to miss the mark or disqualify himself as a witness for Christ. Just like Paul, we must exercise self-control in our words, actions, and thoughts. Now that devotional just said the Christian life is a self-controlled life. It's a life of self-control and self-discipline. That's what it is. 
You become a Christian. Now, what's the difference between you and the person out there in the world? Well, now, again, sometimes we sell Christianity. Well, you've got the power of God. You've been free from the power of sin. And we, and we, so we should just be sinless. But then we're like, well, we're still going to sin. Well, then we find out, well, even though you've got all of this power, the real issue is you've got to exercise self-control. And if you'll exercise self-control in your thoughts and your words and your deeds, then guess what? You can then well accomplish a lot in Christianity. You can win the prize. Is it spirit controlled or self-controlled? Now they do a fascinating thing here to me, a fascinating thing here to me at the end. Right underneath that, they have like a little prayer. This is fascinating to me. Holy Spirit, produce the fruit of self-control in my life. Now, I think I know why they go in that direction, but this raises some serious questions in my mind, all right? You may not have these questions, but I'm the one always uh, having these questions because, well, I just, I just, I think there's a lot of questions here that we have to, to consider. Um, okay, hang on. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. Now I'm going to read this from a different passage, or a different translation. That's Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. I could be wrong here. Yep. I, I knew I knew it was here. So according so according now this is where we we bring these two concepts together. And now now we're going to end up with a whole theological dilemma on our hands. But here we go. Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So is the Christian life a spirit-controlled life or a self-controlled life? The entire devotional, it's all about what I need to do, what I need to do, I need to do, I need to do. Then they ask, then they basically ask a prayer that Holy Spirit produce the fruit of self-control in my life. So that what the, the Holy Spirit, if, if self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, then all Christians should have self-control because, well, we've got the Spirit of God producing that fruit. So why aren't Christians the most self-controlled people in the world? Why aren't Christians, with, I mean, and where, what does this self-control deal with? Does it deal with just spiritual things or does it deal with all things? Because if it deals with all things, there shouldn't be no overweight Christians unless there's a medical reason that they can't lose their weight, but because we would be the most self-controlled eaters in the world, right? We would never overindulge. We would never, we would control our diet. We would be self-controlled and disciplined. If we were uh, gaining weight, we, could, we would exercise more. We would be the most self-controlled people in the world. We would never have a problem with porn addiction. We would never have a problem with any other kind of addiction. Women would be able to exercise self-control. And I just say women, because that's usually how it's preached, who gossip and slander, even though men do the same thing, but that's okay. In other words, all these issues that we struggle with, well, if the spirit produces self-control, then we would have the self-control to exercise the self-control in these areas. But what, which areas does it work? So is it a spirit-controlled life? There is a self-controlled life. I guess you could argue that the spirit-controlled life is a self-controlled life. But the spirit is the one producing it. 
Do we, so do we have to do something to get the self-control? The, the devotional says you need to exercise self-control. You need to do it. In fact, they even asked this question in, in here. And what ways are you disciplining yourself in your spiritual walk? When or where do you find it most difficult to exercise self-control? Well, if the Spirit's producing the self-control, then why do I have to find a way to discipline myself? Why do I have to figure out when it's difficult or not to exercise self-control? If the Spirit produces the self-control, then we should all have it. I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, you always do this. Now I'm so confused. It's, I didn't do anything. I just listened to what Christians say and then go, uh, I got a question here. So you, on one hand, you're selling me that I got the spirit and all of this power and all of this ability. Okay, but then you tell me that that, 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 that doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, which just seems to contradict all the power because you're like, I've got all of this power, but the power is limited and what it can do. Then you tell me, hey, you need to exercise self-control. You need to exercise self-discipline. All right, so the Christian life is just me doing it. But, 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 but it's the spirit who produces the self-control. So if I lack self-control, whose fault is it? Is it mine or is it the spirit of God? Oh, I know, I know. Nobody wants to talk about this. I, I don't know why Christians don't want to talk about these things because it's very critical. This is practical, everyday Christian life. Is the Christian life one of self-control or one of spirit-controlled? And if it's spirit-controlled, does the spirit get, get does the spirit get the blame? for the lack of control or the failure in one's Christian life. The Christian's the one going to get the fault, not the spirit. Right? I mean, you mess up as a pastor, you're done. You're finished. You're out of here. And everybody's like, I don't know why he failed. I, oh, so Christian life is all about what I do. Okay, so it's all about my ability. So the Christian life is completely. And then at the same time, we'll say, when you get the spirit of God, he empowers you. He strengthens you. You can overcome any sin. You don't have to sin because you got. So it's the, the pastor's fault because he didn't give, he didn't submit to that power. But you would think the power would over, will overcome his unwillingness to submit to it so that his unsubmissiveness became submissiveness. But that I die digress. We hold some very contradictory thinking in the, in the minds of Christians. So I'm just baffled this morning. And again, I can do this with any, I've said this before. It's not even about whether I agree or disagree with a devotional. I just take the devotional and look at it like this is an opportunity to talk about this today. So how do you reconcile all of these things? Now, again, there's Christianity you sell, there's the Christianity you pretend, and there's the Christianity you know you're living. Like everybody, you may have everyone else fooled, but come on, when no one's around, we know the Christianity you're really living. We know what's really going. We know what your desires really are. You know how much you really love God, how much you really love the word of God, how much you desire. You know all the other issues going on. Because if the Christian life is really more just about self-discipline and self-control, And we just need to do more preaching on how to develop self-control, maintain self-control, exercise self-control. And we're just like falling into the same well pattern as the world. Now, if you say, no, 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 it's spirit controlled. 
Well, then why did Paul tell them to exercise self-control? Oh, because the spirit produces the self-control. Well, then I don't have to do anything to gain the self-control. So before I'm a Christian, I don't have a spirit-given self-control. But after I became a Christian, I gained a spirit self-control. Well, then why have I ever struggled with sin? Now, I'm going to end this podcast with more questions than answers because that is the design of this. I want to make theology central, but I want to make sometimes when theology is central, we are left with more questions than answers. Self-controlled, spirit-controlled. Now, I don't know if I can get the people in the Discord channel today to talk. But I think many, I think most of them would say spirit controlled. But I don't know if they would have an answer for why, if we're spirit controlled, why all of the shortcomings and failures and why do we not agree on the same thing, disagree on everything. But I think the ones who say that we're self-controlled would feel like that that falls into a form of legalism. So that I don't think, I think some would not like that. I don't, I don't know. All right, I'll stop there. You can let me know your thoughts about self-controlled, spirit-controlled. Now, listen, 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 listen. So maybe you're going to immediately start questioning everything. Look, and you're going to get mad, but these podcasts, many of my podcasts are designed simply to get the spark the conversation. And and a lot of times I end up, we we come back to the subject in some other different way, right? So like uh, some was there's a, some of you who catch on like so many of your podcasts are connected like this kind of fits with this and this kind of goes with it. Some people catch on. Some people either now some people may not catch on or some people may think I'm trying to be too clever. It's not that I'm necessarily clever. It's just a, sometimes a theme emerges and we kind of it just shows up in different discussions. So this will probably show up somewhere. So but I just. Self-controlled or spirit-controlled? I know, I put it this way. I know lots of Christians. I've been around lots of Christians who have the same Holy Spirit as I have. And I've seen many Christians, usually it's Christian men, don't really want to read, don't really want to study, and they seem to, there's something clearly wrong. Well, then where's the control of the Spirit? All right. I'm going to stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day, and we'll see what else we're going to talk about this afternoon. God bless.